The world didn't need another hockey podcast. It needed a better one. Bear witness to the two-man forecheck. Good evening, Chris. Good evening, Mike. Uh, I see both of us have survived Thanksgiving without rupturing or uh, anything like that. So uh, congratulations on your restraint. Um, You as well. (laughs) And we find ourselves at the point where the standings start making sense. They may not be the final standings, and those sometimes don't happen until after the last game is played. But we have a fairly good idea, just based on the statistics, that, what is it, 77 or higher percentage of the teams in a playoff position as of U.S. Thanksgiving are still there uh, when the playoffs begin. 12 out of 16 teams. Yeah, something like that. It's seven. It's some. It's high seventies or something like low eighty, something like that. And I looked at the standings. Uh, I screen capped them. Start of the day, uh, Black Friday. Mm-hmm. There's some surprises. Yeah. Even a quarter of a way into the season, like I don't really care where Colorado gets in. If Colorado gets in, they're the best team in the West. And everyone else needs to be really, really worried. If they're healthy going into the playoffs, they're the best team in the West. Uh, In the East, I think the Rangers are slightly overachieving at this point based on how many young players there are in their roster. But it's fun to watch. Um, They got themselves a good team. I mean, when when they played the Bruins the other day, it was... That was a gorgeous game. If you're it a was Ranger, a lot man. of fun to watch. <laughs> as a as a hockey person, it was a lot of fun to watch. Yes. But you look at the Eastern Conference. Columbus? Everybody wrote them off. And Pittsburgh? I wanted I I want to write them off. I want them okay. to not be there. <laughs> Only Anaheim actually has a lower points per game percentage than Pittsburgh in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. A couple of teams are tied with Pittsburgh for lowest number, but only Anaheim has a lower number. Um, I still want to know uh, what aliens uh, kidnapped the Islanders at the beginning of the season and put these uh, stiffs on the ice. And why no one has, you know, said anything about it. Yes, I know they've only played 16 games to the 19 games of the Rangers or 20 games of the uh, of the of the Caps as of the as I said, as of uh, middle as the start of the day on Black Friday. But wow. Like, did you start of the season? Yeah, if I had told you. Barry Trotz might be in trouble for hockey reasons and might actually be the first coach to go. You would have said, uh, put down the medication and step away from the counter. Yes. (laughs) And you would have been making a whole lot of sense because I, I'm looking at the standings and I don't understand a 375 points percentage. I just don't. Five nine and two with Barry Trotz, 
and some of the strength of that roster. And the thing uh-uh. is, it's only gotten worse since Black Friday. <laughs> I mean, we knew the Western Con, we knew the Pacific Conference in general was bad. So seeing Seattle and Vancouver and LA and San Jose all outside the playoffs, and two of them well below the 500 mark. Um, you say San Jose is just barely well. They're over. win percent win percentage wise, they're further away, it, 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 and that's the problem: is the amount of games that some teams have played versus others. Yeah. There are some teams that have four four or so games in hand against other teams. And See? then there's the Florida Panthers. Do and we have an explanation for the Florida Panthers, though? They're that good, and they're healthy. It, it actually is that simple. They've got two goalies who look like NHL goalies right now um, or have for most of the season. And they got one who's barely shaving. Come on now. <laughs> doesn't matter. Facial hair usually isn't used to stop bucks. I mean, unless you're Joe Thornton and you're trying to keep it off your chest. In that case. Or yeah. anywhere above your navel. <laughs> I mean, there are, there are a couple of good youngsters around. I mean, but yeah, Spencer, Spencer Knight is having himself a decent season. Um, they're, I mean, let's let's take a look at the numbers for our beloved Florida Panthers goaltenders. Actually, not as good as I thought. He's only got a 901 save percentage, and he's over three on his goals against. It's the resurgence of. Um, Sergei Bobrovsky has been, yeah. Sergei Bobrovsky is in all-star form. Did he take a? Did he like take a couple of years off or something? He's back down to two oh three goals against and a nine thirty six save percentage. It appears that way. He's only I mean, lost. He's only lost one game in regulation. Okay, that's a little scary. Because if he's going to get back, to, if he's going to get back to Vesna form, All Star form, and the way this team plays, yeah, you might want to sit down for a long playoff run for the Florida Panthers. And you probably don't want to bet on any of their uh, likely first or second round opponents. You realize they have one player that has no points. One. And how many games has that player played? Twelve. Kevin Connaughton. Eh, okay. Kevin Connaughton is not going to make or break a team. No, and I understand that. I mean, I'm just... Gustav Forsling has no goals, but he has 12 assists in 21 games. Mackenzie Wegar has no goals, but he has 11 assists in 21 games. Everybody, everybody is contributing on this team. Most fascinating thing about the Panthers right now? 21 wins... Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, we're they have no shutouts yet. They're winning without having great games from their or great individual games from their goaltending. Like normally by the quarter pole, you've got at least one shutout on ninety percent of teams. Um, there's, a, there's a guy. There's a guy on Florida that. We've talked about multiple times in the past. Oh, which one? And we we both coveted this young man for um, our very own Boston Bruins here. And 
in the great state of Massachusetts. Um, he's played in 19 games. He has 17 points. He's second on the team, and he's tied for second on the team in points. Young man by the name of Anthony Duclair. Oh, that one. The one who has... His shooting percentage is bloated. It's 25.7. I don't even remember how many teams he's been on now. Uh, I'm going to go with... It's like five or six. Four. Uh, I'm going to go with four. He was drafted by the Rangers. Yes. He went from the Rangers to the uh, to the uh, to the Coyotes. Yes. The Coyotes to the Blue Jackets. Did he play for the Blue Jackets? Um. Yes, he did. He played 53 games in the 1819 season. Dang. He went from the Blue Jackets to the Senators. Yeah, and now he was a season and a half. Um. Five. Damn it. And then now with the Florida Panthers, that's his sixth team. One, two. Oh, we missed one. You missed one. We missed one. You were correct I about Arizona. You, your number is right. Your math is wrong because you. Oh, he had Chicago in there. Chicago, too. very good. You skipped Chicago. So little little twenty three games stopped before he went to Columbus. <laughs> how many teams have just not known what to do with him? Because um, a lot. he scored 20 goals on the Arizona Coyotes when they were terrible. Not, not only 20 goals, he had 44 points. He, had, he was a little over half a point per game. And he was um, a plus 12. He was 20 years old, and only three people scored more than him. And one of them was his line mate, uh, Max Domi, that year. Mm-hmm. Um. And Oliver Ekman Larson, defenseman at age 24, was leading, led the team in scoring. And um, I, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't say that um, we made this comment back then, and I still believe it's true. He doesn't shoot enough. Yeah. If he's got a 20, if he's got a bloated 26 percent shooting or just under, he's and, not and shooting he's got enough. Nine goals. He's only got 35 shots on net. That's it, obscene. His his his. I mean, the year that he had the twenty goal season, he had nineteen nineteen percent shooting, hundred and five shots. His biggest year was second year with Ottawa, twenty three goals. He had one hundred and eighty four shots, and he had twelve and a half, which is more in the norm of where it you would expect a, yeah, a, a, a goal scorer end, to be. A high end goal scorer should. Yeah, you want them. High end goal scorer we've seen. Everything from, you know, 9% as an absolute low for a high-end goal scorer to, like, 15% over over an 82-game stretch. But yeah, but now we're not going to be able to percent, afford this kid. You, 20-something percent, you just need to shoot more. Yeah. And I don't, I, I don't care what the coach says. If the coach isn't encouraging him to shoot more, but... Fire the coach. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm um, sorry. Fire the coach. This kid needs to be putting pucks on net as often as he possibly can, because if he can score at this clip with only 35 shots on net, imagine where he could be if he had, say, 47 or 52 shots on net or something like that. 
I mean, we're talking 19 games. Add an extra add an extra shot per game. He goes from 35 to 54. Yep. How many more and goals could he potentially have in those 19 two, shots? Three, easy. Suddenly he's in double digits. You know, he's looking yep. at 13 goals. Um, one quick note worth uh worth jumping back to the goalies over. Yeah, sure. Um, Spencer Knight actually has a better shorthanded. Uh, save percentage, and both of them have faced a decent number of shots than Bobrovsky. Um, and I, I suspect that's part of why he keeps seeing games so regularly. It doesn't appear that he's getting flustered all that easily, um, which is great. Uh, I mean, we saw him here uh, playing college, um, and he, he's just good. I mean, it, no, I get that. And he played well here in Boston. He played well here at Boston College. He played well in his limited time at the end of last year. So my question is, why is he suddenly a goal per game higher average and his save percentage is a 901? I mean, are they? I, I don't know if they're playing him, if teams are, just, or if the team in front of him is playing a little looser. Um, or if it's a communication issue, but it's really hard to say. It's really hard to say without being there. They are playing him. I would think more than you would play. I mean, Bobrovsky's got 13 out of their 20. Well, I'm looking at today's numbers, not, not black Friday, but today's stats. Bobrovsky's only played 13 out of 23 games. Spencer Knight's, I mean, so, I mean, yeah, 13 out of 21 games, excuse me. Spencer Knight started eight. Maybe is that, playing is that too high? Games. Is that too Maybe high for a is that too high for a backup to be going? I mean, I would prefer to ease the kid in, even though he played great last year. I mean, he went from it wasn't actually bubble hockey, but it was still there were still more travel restrictions than usual. And interaction restrictions, as we know from uh, the suspensions in Washington. Yeah. Um, yeah. His 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 sample size last season. We're talking four games. He won. He started three of them. He appeared in four. Won all four of them. He started three of them. A two point three two and a nine nineteen save percentage. So he, I mean, I don't, I'm not going to say he's struggling, but his numbers have taken a little bit of a dip. Have you looked at the overall uh, scoring stats uh, in the league in the past couple of days? Overall, no, overall, no, I have not. So I will not look because I feel a question coming on. You you certainly do feel a question coming on. Um, Brace yourself. I'm going to ask a difficult one. Okay. Who is number four in scoring in the league right now? Number four? Number four. Andrew Mangiapani. And I did not look. That would be a no. Um, You get two more tries. Um, This person was a free agent uh, over the summer. Free agent over the summer. Do 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 has got like 15 goals. Wait a minute. No um, looking. I'm not looking. 
honestly, it, it, it's not Jerry Seidel because I'm pretty sure he's at the top right now. I saw that somewhere. He, uh, I will tell you that the top three are some combination of Dry Seidel, McDavid, and some guy, some old guy chasing some records. Barely able to skate anymore and uh, out of Washington. Four. Number four is not Jack Eichel. Nope. He's a free agent. Was it somebody that we coveted? I mean, I, I'm trying to think of all the free agents that were available. Um, he was best known for his time in the Eastern Conference, but is now playing in the West. Oh my goodness, what the heck is going on? Not Phil Kessel. No. <laughs> he wasn't a free agent. Um... That sounded like three guesses, because you guessed Eichel, you guessed Phil Kessel. Yeah, that sounds like three. Go ahead. Nazim Kadri. Oh, he's been with Colorado. And I said, he's now playing in the West. Well, he was playing in the West last year, too. And I remember watching him last year because they had injuries to... He's fourth in the league in in goals or in scoring? In total. total points. Damn. And he was a free agent. Uh, wasn't isn't he one of the guys we were talking about at Bruins development camp? Um, uh, talking about bringing in Zach Hyman. If you're talking uh, about old Toronto players, I don't remember. I don't remember if Kadri was a free agent or not. I thought I'm almost positive he was a free agent. Hmm. I might be thinking of another former Toronto player, but um, I would bet yes, money it was. We, we were talking about bringing Zach Hyman into center of the second line when they couldn't, uh, when they when they still were unsure as to whether they were bringing back, uh, you know, Mister Krejci, who insisted that he wasn't coming back. But oh well, that's the other bit of talk that won't die. Is they keep they talking about? Uh, they keep talking about a certain goaltender coming back and playing oh, yes. savior. And I'm like, dude didn't look good at the end of last year. Dude will not have played in nine months. Dude is not a notoriously fast starter. What could go wrong? <laughs> yes. If you go back and look over the last three seasons, who was the better goaltender at the beginning of the season? Was it was it the elite or was it Mr. Halak? Uh, I'm going to tell you it was Mr. Halak, and I will not hear argument because you'd be wrong. And Nazem Kadri is actually in the last year of a contract now, so he wasn't a free agent. He is currently in the last year of a six-year deal. He's making okay. four and a half mil. So, okay, my my apologies for the misdirection, but there is a who who is the who is the center who was that? I'm pretty was sure it was. Ruins? Pretty sure we were talking about Zach Hyman. No, it wasn't Zach Hyman. We talked about him, but yes. he wasn't. Former Toronto, he was a free agent. Uh, he was showing up at the little practices after development camp. Yeah, but that wasn't. 
That wasn't him. That was someone else. Oh, okay. Then I don't know who we're talking about. It uh, should be in our notes, but um, we'll circle back to that. Fair enough. Um, I, it, but yes, as far as the other person, he is a slow starter. And I don't see him coming back in the middle of January when we're pushing toward or later. Or later. Yeah. When we've got an all-star break. Uh, 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 what's that other little tournament they got going on? Oh, yeah, the Olympics. Um when is he supposed to get into a rhythm? And yes, it takes him a while to get into his rhythm. Plus there are players he's never played with on the roster. So even the theoretical advantage of having played here uh, in the past. Now you've got to develop a, a chemistry or a communication system with Derek Forward, Mike Riley, who, yes, they were here together at the end of last year, but okay. Well, um, Derek Forbert plays a different style of defense with him going down to block shots and block passes way mm-hmm. more than any Bruins defender in a few, in at least five years. And that's an adjustment. Now you can say, yeah, Tuka Rask is a veteran goaltender. He's won a couple of individual awards, but still an adjustment. I'm not Particularly when you have Derek Forbert, who outweighs Tuka Rask by at least 30 pounds, likely to slide into the net at some point. And we know that Rask is <clears throat> very conscious of his um, health. Could be painful. Just saying. Could be a little painful. Um, let's Could see. be. Maybe. Just a little bit. Speaking of um, <clears throat> speaking of Bruins, uh, apparently there was a, there, there's a little bit of an upheaval over something Brad may or may not have done in the last game against Vancouver. This would be last night's game. Okay. Um, it's Brad Marchand. <laughs> I I wanted to get this in. I, I don't. Think. He's, as you're hinting at, he's being, he's going to have a hearing for, he's going to have a hearing for a slew foot on Oliver Ekman Larson, for which <sighs> no penalty was called. Um, if you haven't seen the video, watch and the I video. do encourage you to watch the video and make up your own mind, um, I mean, you may get it wrong for which I'll mock you mercilessly, but that's okay. Um, If this were not Brad Marchand or Tom Wilson or pick whoever the next great evil is in the league, Mm -hmm. there wouldn't be a, there would not be a hearing. There might be a call to say, be careful. You, you numbskull. First of all, we discussed this prior to the show and you and I both said the same thing. If it wasn't, if the officials, it's Brad Marchand. The officials, there's one player on the ice. The officials aren't going to miss. It's Brad Marchand. Especially since Brad Marchand spent last night hitting everything that was not wearing a Bruins uniform. He ended up the night with like five, with five recorded hits. I'm pretty and sure he probably they were more. had like twelve, like legitimate <laughs> twelve hits. 
He, he was getting everything. Four players down. He was all over the place. He was hitting everything, and I'm pretty sure that they would have noticed. Now, if the officials and there was an official in the area when it happened. If you watch the video, it's not like there's no officials around. There's an official in the area where it happened. Yep. It looks like a hockey play. I'm not trying it's, to dissuade anyone. I'm just saying it looks like a hockey play. And why it looks like a hockey play is he and Ekman Larson are physically in contact or separated by no more than a foot for, and they're snaking in and out of the, or they're snaking their way through center ice. They were probably in contact for like 60 feet total distance traveled, but only about 17 feet forward because yeah, they were loop de looping all over the ice, leaning in on each other. They were basically having a wrestling match uh, on ice and both of them are going at speed after the puck across the, across the neutral zone, across center ice Legs tangled, and yes, he did get his leg behind Ekman Larson. And to a person who slows the video down and and does it frame by frame, sure, it's going to look like a slew foot because his leg position. But if you watch the game at speed, it's two guys going after a puck, tangled legs, tangled bodies, and Marshan just outmuscled him. And let's let's not overlook the fact that Marshand is the smaller of the two weight wise. Mm-hmm. Um, and Marshand's upper body was being pushed backwards at the time that his leg is going forward. Because why? Because that's how you stick, keep your balance. Like that's, that's actually what he looked like he was trying to do. He looked like he was getting off balance, got his leg back there and recaptured his balance. And at the same time, Ekman Larson went over. It it looks bad, yes. And, of course, the reaction of everybody makes it seem worse than it is. But Ekman Larson didn't disappear from the game. Literally, if that had been Patrice Berger on there, no one blinks. If it had been uh, Bo Horvat doing that to Derek Forbert, that mm-hmm. should, that's, probably about a, that's probably a fairly similar weight difference. Yeah. No one, no one says a thing. Quinn Hughes does that to Taylor Hall. Nobody blinks. It's, it's the player. I mean, Taylor Hall might have punched him in the face for it, but <laughs> <laughs> it's the player. It's the name on the back of the jersey that begins Which with is M. Somewhat ridiculous. I mean, the only good thing here is that unless there was a change in the CBA, since it's been a while since Marchand has been suspended. I don't believe he counts as a repeat offender. The winger's most recent ban was outside of the 18-month repeat offender window, which could prevent him from receiving a lengthy suspension. Good. So it's an 18-month window. Good to know. I I was not sure if it was a year. I knew it had been a while. I I honestly thought it was a full two years, but at 18 months, uh, that's effectively the same thing. Um, And... Mm -hmm hasn't been outside of his little antics with the licking and the kissing and the, but even that, <laughs> and the whispering really any of that last year. No, but he's been a well-behaved into, he's been a well-behaved hockey player, or at least 
I mean, as far as we can okay. tell. He has not done anything suspendable in, in 18 months or more. There you go. But he lives completely rent-free in more heads in the NHL than <laughs> anybody. Like, anybody. It's look at look at I pull up that what's that quote from Panarin uh in the game? Oh, the whole the whole uh the whole Russian thing. That was the glove in the, throwing incident. In the Rangers game with the glove throwing incident. Yes. Uh, you'll have to give me a moment to find it real quick here. Like this is this is the this is how much of a boogeyman five foot nine at most Brad Marchand is in the he's, league. He does just, people don't even he's just there. Like so, Rangers are semi Panarin toss glove at Bruins Brad Marchand over Russia remark. Now <clears throat> Panarin was seen throwing his glove. Yes, yes, yes. Quote I didn't really understand what he said in the moment because we had a little conversation with bad energy. Then I hear something about Russia in that moment, and then with that energy, that can't be something good about Russia. So that's why I lose my mind, and then I did what I did. That's so he why has, I lose my mind. <laughs> so he, he has no idea what Brad said. Brad could have just said, go back to Russia. Losing his mind. This is, like, this is legitimate mass hysteria. It's I mean, as a fan, as someone oh. who loves, loves a, the mental aspects of the game. Can I put a capper on this? Uh, as someone who loves the mental aspects of the game. Hold on. Yeah, go ahead. This is beautiful. Like, oh, yeah. we may never oh. see this again. Like, Sean Avery didn't spend as long in the league, was nowhere near as skilled. Um, and you couldn't. And people hated him. Yes. For some some for good still, reason. Still dislike him strongly. Yes. But like, <laughs> the thing is with Brad Marchand, even if he literally goes on the ice and never says a word to another player, doesn't say a word to anyone not on his team for an entire game. Impossible, we all know. But um, one, he's too good at hockey to ignore, and it's going to annoy the pants off of you when he beats you two or three times like that Pasternak goal he set up uh, against Vancouver. Yes. He literally undressed the man without it looking hard. And like, forget like either the pass, which was probably through an area, not even as wide as his skates are long with like three sticks in it between his and Pasternak's that pass all by itself jaw dropping. The fact that he undressed the defender in front of him is also a great, a great thing because Vancouver's defense is very mobile, very, very mobile, not just straight line speed. They've got great agility, great lateral movement, if that had been an NFL play, they would have called it an ankle breaker and talked about his cleats, uh, his needing to pick up his cleats. The announcer said, you know, dude needs to find his jock strap or something like that. Yes. But for both of these things to happen in under a second by the same player, completely bonkers. 
and the fact that he is the league's premier pest. And he's been this way the for little 10 ball years. Of, the little ball of hate. So. Little ball of great. Yes. Just, oh, so the ca- so the capper on all of this, and <clears throat> I, I, I imagine this must help Panarin with his losing his mind, because after all of that, the speaking and the, the potential Russia comment, whatever he might have said, um, Panarin was fined $5,000 for the incident. <laughs> Not Marshan for whatever he may or may not have said. Not Marshan for inciting some kind of behavior. But Panarin was fined $5,000 for throwing his glove. And you know what? Because he lost his mind. (laughs) And again, I don't – okay, I don't care that he was fined. I wouldn't have argued for it because no one was hurt. No. The strongest guy in the league isn't going to be able to throw a hockey glove at someone from 12 feet away and hurt them. Not going to happen. So I'm sure it was called unsportsmanlike behavior or something like that, which I get. But just but just to, just to icing, you know, it's not only did he drive me nuts, but he cost me five thousand dollars. <laughs> and I still don't know what he said. <laughs> and still don't know what he said. There you go. Like, legitimately, where is – and this is – like, I I have I have occasionally criticized the stupid stuff that Brad Marchand has done. But you know and what? You have to. I mean, in all fairness, you have to criticize the stupid behavior. But you know what? When he's not actually attempting to hurt people or doing something so rash that he might as well be attempting to hurt people. And for some reason, some people, there is no line between those two. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a whole nother discussion. But he can't get inside your head if you don't let him. And correct me on this one if I'm wrong, but double check if you have to. Okay. Are they letting middle schoolers and, like, second graders into the NHL? Oh, I looked that up. Apparently there's some sort of clause that re- that re- prevents them from bringing in underage players. Wait a minute. Uh, like, under what age? I believe it's under the age of, of 17 or 16 okay. or something like that. But, yes, so, apparently there so is. So they need to be, like, reasonably mature. Yes, it would and be like, expected, yes. The youngest player in the league most years is what, 19, 20? 18, 18 19. There have been some 18 18, years. 19. So just out of curiosity, I mean, I know that what things people are made fun of or have changed a little tiny bit uh, since either of us were in grade school or high school. Mm-hmm. Do you think that most people have experience dealing with someone who's just trying to wind them up? Maybe. 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 Just a little bit. Yeah. And doesn't when you are old enough and mature enough, at least in theory, to understand the purpose of someone trying to wind you up is to get you off of your game or to get you to make stupid mistakes or cross lines that shouldn't be uncrossed. He's done a pretty good job of it. What is it you're supposed to do with a situation like that? 
Um, I, ignore it. Keep going. Keep playing. Keep you know, keep stay focused. Stay in your lane. Stay in your lane. Yeah, that's if you not, can't ignore it, use it as fuel. <laughs> it's that simple. You do, I'm not a sports psychologist. But no, if you can't ignore it, use it as fuel. Like Agreed. there are players in the league who completely admit to reading the press simply to get ticked off and take it to the ice. Well, how many times do you hear in, in and and I hear it more in other sports such as football or whatever, locker room material and and you know oh, they, they uh, get the press. Yeah, the board material. Yeah. Bulletin board material. That's it. Yes. And they use it to get themselves wound up so that when they go out there, they're so disliking of their opponent that they're all in on on every play. Oh, yeah. And I Brad has his own bulletin board material in his head. Literally, Brad Marchand, (laughs) you don't even need to you don't even need to mention Brad Marchand. I guarantee you, if you tell 95% of the NHL that they're playing the Boston Bruins in two nights, regardless of where the Bruins have been in the standings in the past 10 years, I'm willing to bet more than 85% of their blood pressure goes up immediately. And it's not because it's an original six team. It's not because of Patrice Bergeron or whoever's in net or whoever has been or will be on the blue line, they hear the name of the person who plays uh, in the Jersey number 63 and up goes that blood pressure. And, and Oh, by the way, guess what? Yeah. I'm here for it. And Oh, by the way, on top of all that, he's only like the best left wing in the game. So there you go. There is no more complete left wing uh, in the league. And the most frightening thing is, is that he's actually proven by playing with David Krejci and with other with other centers during Bergeron's injuries that it's not Bergeron making him great. He's that good. Now, the two of them together. (laughs) Well, that's just over the top. (laughs) That's unfair. That's unfair. Yeah. It's like it's in a different way. It's as it's absolutely as potent a pair as Drysaddle and McDavid, yeah. and more useful for all two hundred feet of the ice. I was going to say I think they I think Drysaddle and McDavid are absolutely phenomenal offensive talents, but quite frankly, even Patrice Bergeron can rent space in people's heads pretty well when he wants to. <laughs> yeah. I think that he, he's a little, he's much more subtle about it, but yeah. Yeah. And he also does it in at least two languages. Yeah. Oh yes. And, and there's the whole French Canadian thing. Sure. I, I remember the, I remember someone asking him on one of the interviews on one of the shows one time if he does any trash talking and what language he does it in. And he says, well, it depends on who I'm talking to. <laughs> there you go. Because why not? And it, some players might not understand the English all that well, but they'll get it when you speak to them in Canadian, unless of course they're Russians. And then, well, 
you just do your best and hope for it. Speaking of French Canadians, go. Oh yes, go. The is end of the end of an era, or the end of an error. Should 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 the end of an error? <laughs> I I I read I heard this and I didn't know quite how to feel because I didn't know which one was getting fired. But apparently, Mark Bergevin is out as GM of the Montreal Canadiens, and a couple of the other front office staff are uh, no longer with the team. I'm sure they've been wished uh, the best in their future endeavors. Um, uh, Trevor Timmons and Paul Wilson, uh, former uh, assistant G- uh, GM and VP of Public Affairs and Communications, respectively, um, have been uh, have been told to vacate the premises. And Jeff Gordon has been brought in as VP of Hockey Operations. Yeah, suddenly Montreal is going to get better. It might not happen immediately, but it's going to get better. You know, people are going to hate me for saying this one. If Jeff Gordon can do as good a job building the building the Canadians as he did the Rangers, particularly if there's the flexibility to do a fast uh, upscaling of the talent. The Canadians might actually crawl into first place among the Canadian teams for likelihood of winning a cup in the next 10 years. Because I don't, I think that both Toronto, we both, we've talked about this endlessly, so we're not going down that rabbit hole. Mm-hmm. The way that the Edmonton Oilers and the Toronto Maple Leafs are constructed not feasible not feasible for winning a cup they're great offensively and then nah everything else oh i missed this quote so i didn't i didn't realize that these these firings came one came a day after assistant gm scott mellenby actually resigned whoops the Athletic reported that Mellenby resigned after the organization told him he could become the interim GM, then changed that offer to president of hockey operations. Okay, then. So they know what they were going after. And mm-hmm. please note that he went from it went from GM or interim GM to president of hockey operations to Jeff Gordon getting the vice president of hockey operations role. The quote from Mark Bergeron, despite the fact that this journey is coming to an end, I am proud of the legacy I'm leaving within the organization. The current team is much better than the results show, and I am convinced that my successors will be able to rise to the challenge. And that right there should sit on the desk of everybody who might be hiring a general manager for the next 25 years as a sign not to hire this man. What I don't understand, and this is why I, I was a little yes. bit go ahead trying to figure out, but he's sitting there and we never could understand the moves he was making. Then all of a sudden, 
somebody in, in a Mark Bergevin suit shows up, acquires Nick Suzuki, acquires Tyler Toffoli, acquires Josh Anderson. Um, <laughs> and and there's a couple of other youngsters on that team who just they, fabulous last they drafted, year. They drafted Jesperi Kotkaniemi. Uh, Jake Evans is a good looking, good looking bottom six forward. I like Jake Evans. They got uh, Romanoff, the young defenseman, who's improving. It's taking it. He's slow. He's slower to improve than some guys, but he's improving. So they've had good drafts. They've had good uh, uh, the last one couple anyway, I guess, except for the whole, you know, my youth thing. Um, Cole Caulfield, another great Cole Caulfield. Uh, so this this guy who was leading them nowhere suddenly into, does a one eight yeah. does a one eighty and rebuilds the team. They go and, to the final. <laughs> and that team that team was Which built for the playoffs. Like last year that team was built for the playoffs. Had they been healthier? Maybe there's a different outcome in the finals. I don't think so. I don't know maybe. that they had. I don't know if they had the speed to, to keep up with the physicality. To, maybe if Weber was healthy, Weber I mean, was he healthy. had so many injuries going on. Carey Price was, was hurt. Uh, I believe Brendan Gallagher was out. Gallagher was hurt. Evans was injured for at least part of that to, uh, part of that run. Well, there was the whole. Mark Shifley thing, not yeah. knocking his head off. So, um, yeah, but, it's just, but the, 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 even some of the acquisitions he's made though, uh, additionally in the last year or two, Christian Dvorak, who was available to other teams in the division, yeah, um, David Savard, mm-hmm. um, he had, um, he had Perry in the playoffs last year. Oh, Looking yeah, like a, Perry of ten years ago, just brutally physical and scoring goals. So I, when I say I'm not sure how to feel about it, I'm not sure because there's been two Mark Bergevins. Yeah, <laughs> and some of his moves have been, um. I mean, and and do you do you have to give him, from insanity? Do you have to give him credit for throwing a, an offer sheet at Sebastian Ajo? Yes, ultimately yes, it do. cost him. Ultimately, it cost him Kotkaniemi. But who else would have even attempted that? And you know what is? I I think you have to have a little bit of boldness, a little bit of madness, um, to take. A team to the top. I mean, let's look at the let's look at the Boston Bruins the year that they won the cup. Mm-hmm. They trade Blake Wheeler for and Mark Stewart, and they pick up Chris Kelly and Peverly. Their power play gets worse with Cabriolet, which anyone who knew who he was <laughs> would have figured out. And they still won. There was a little bit of insanity in there. But Chris Kelly, 200-foot player, uh, really good defensive forward. Rich Peverly. The best hockey of his career that year. Yes. I'm not disagreeing with you. Uh, Rich Peverly came in, I mean, and power forward, 
good 200 foot player, but not over the top. But when he came in, he fit with the team. He uh-huh. fit with what they were looking for. So yeah, it takes a little bit of grit. It takes a little bit of insanity, as you say. It takes a little bit of of, of uh, chance taking. Uh, a little bit of gamble. Look at the Blues the year they won the Cup. They went from literally last to winning the Cup, and all they did was bring in their fourth-string goaltender and shove him in the net and say, take us home. And they changed head coaches. (laughs) They did do that, too. But they reverted to the mean the year after. Yes. Suddenly Bennington was what he was supposed to be. But it worked at that time. There was that little touch of madness. And before people start stripping Bergevin to the skin over Kotkanemi, you know how many points Kotkanemi has in 20 games this season on what's either the second or third best team in the entire NHL? Six. He has seven. Oh, okay. It was a guess. I have no idea. I know he scored a goal the other night because I saw it on one of the networks that they were doing highlights. But, he, he, yeah, he's not exactly, like, lighting it up, so to speak. I mean, it, I just my, – my ultimate thing is, yes, Bergevin's gone, and we were joking about it way back when that he was going to get fired. And I didn't understand how he fired Julian. I still don't get that one. But No, don't. I think that honestly may have been his undoing. But uh, either that or Kot- Mayu, but is Kotkaniemi really worth six point one million and thirty five dollars? No, and that's what Bergevin was trying to say or prove or not say. It, it, you know, I can't match that. It's going to hurt us. It's going to put us over the cap. We're going to have to get rid of somebody else. And okay, we'll bring in Dvorak. I don't know what Dvorak's got for points. I didn't look it up. And not great, but. I believe more than. I more believe than Dvorak Kotkin. is a better. I believe Dvorak is a better center than Kotkaniemi, and I don't think he's costing them six point one million. Uh, he is, is not. Is my uh, point. That I would it's, have to look up. I do not remember his contract. I thought it was at least five. But the point is that I mean, Bergeron knew he couldn't do it. You know, he, he knew he was going to take some sort of guff. For I, look, allowing. I don't blame him for not matching the offer sheet. No, I don't blame him. He, and I don't he didn't think have a choice really at the time. Said anything at the time because, yeah, six point one. Okay, Dvorak in twenty three games has eleven points, so he's point one three points per game, uh, better than Kotkinemi this year. And on, he's making slightly under four and a half million per on a not nearly years. as good team. Well, the next four years, three years, excuse me, four, including this one. So you've got Christian Dvorak, who isn't at all. I mean, yes. okay, Kakanyemi's, what, 21? Dvorak's only 25. It's not like they suddenly went out and got this overager. Yeah, they didn't go. They didn't go sign someone who was or trade for someone who was going to retire at the end of the year uh, because, you know, someone checked them. No, I, I I, I, I don't. And they got a first and a third round pick out of it. That's more than you paid to get Code Ganyemi. There you go. They, 
and and you cost you cost a conference rival a lot of cap space that they probably shouldn't have been spending. Kotkin Emmy was a was third overall in the twenty eighteen twenty eighteen draft. Um, they had to trade away their first round. That Montreal had to trade away their first round pick. Um, and it's actually a conditional. The better of Montreal or Carolina's first round picks, so they they could get either one. But Which if either or both are top, Montreal's. If, if either or both are top ten, then Montreal will instead transfer to Arizona, the worst of the two first round picks. But they're not both going to be top ten. Montreal's could potentially be. Carolina's is obviously not going to be. And unless let's, they do a complete nosedive. As far as uh, as far as the draft class goes. Um, Kotkinemi was taken third overall, uh, points wise, he has, he has five guys ahead of him. So he's sort of competing in his weight class until you look at the fact that Joel Farabee has the same number of points, but has played almost 70 less games mm-hmm. and Quinn Hughes, the defenseman has played 41 less games and has uh, let's see, forty-one more points. A hundred. Quinn Hughes has a hundred and twelve points in hundred and fifty games. Yes, Barry Katkinemi uh, has sixty-nine points in hundred and ninety-one. Okay. Um. Yeah. I. It, Montreal fans. I know you need centers. Uh, everyone needs centers. That's why they brought in Dvorak. This one. You probably didn't lose this one. I don't think they did. And I don't, I don't know. It, it's just weird. It, it, it depends. It really depends on which Bergevin that you want to get up. And I've seen comments. They, go ahead. They, no, they say don't read comments. You shouldn't read the comments. No. But real quick, I was, you know, when I saw it on the Twitter and you see the people that comment because the replies are right after it. And there were people who were like, you know, thank you, Mark Bergevin, for everything. And other people are like, why are you thanking him? What did he do? Well, Okay, up until a couple of years ago, he didn't do a whole heck of a lot, but he got you Cole Caulfield, he got you this, he got Stanley Cup final. Yep, Uh, Stanley Cup final. Um, Yeah, brought in Jake Allen because he knew that he knew that Carey Price uh, might not be able to handle a 60, 65, 70 game workload anymore. Uh, They drafted Caden Primo. Bringing in Jake Allen allows them to bring in Caden Primo a little bit slower, let him get a little bit more acclimated to the game. Uh, he brought in he brought in Dvorak instead of spending the extra money on Kotkaniemi. He brings in Josh Anderson, power forward. He brings in Tyler Toffoli, a pretty damn good goal scorer from the LA Kings, who actually he was with Vancouver and became a free agent. It just, yeah, get upset with him about his early stuff. But the last couple of years, he's actually been on point or at least close to it. So you can't get completely upset that you lost. Yeah, okay, fine. It took him most of a decade to get to not terrible. 
Yes. I'm not saying that it's I'm not saying that it's that it's horrible that they let him go. I'm I'm, I I, mean, some would say it's about time. I'm just thinking. Did you fire the right Mark Bergeron? I mean, bringing in Jeff Gordon is going to be huge because we know that Jeff Gordon can rebuild a franchise. Had they fired him three years ago, everyone would have cheered. Like if you fired Mark Bergevin sometime in the 2018-19 season, everybody cheers. Yes. It's like not even a story. That's a good possibility. It's not even – it just gets a couple of lines in, in, in Sports Illustrated or something. Yeah. But now – yeah, he was uh, 2012 to 2021. He had most of a decade to do. Yeah, he got in a Stanley Cup final appearance, which will probably get him, which will legitimately probably get him his next job as an assistant or a, ge- or a general manager. And given the Canadians uh, French speaking requirement, uh, 15 years from now, he'll probably be rehired. Um <laughs> Not oh, exaggeration and not a dig. Is Jeff Gordon going to survive there, by the way? I think he doesn't have a public enough role um, unless he decides to give himself the general manager role uh, to come no, into – to come out French-Canadian thing. I, as I said, I think without a without a more public role, like Cam Neely. Um, one of our, one of the people that I, I have known the entire time I've, uh, I've been, uh, writing and, or, uh, podcasting yeah. is Bob Mand. He just started a Twitter thread a few minutes ago saying that Cassidy and Sweeney are on the, are potentially on the hot seat and he's not sure that it's justified. Um, My opinion is not in line with his. We need another show for that one. As I said, my opinion is not in line with his. He does make some good points. Um, Yeah, Bob Mand is a good guy. I don't always agree with him. No, neither do I. You know, if you're in need of a Twitter, uh, someone to follow on Twitter who's not us, uh, he's just at uh, Hockey Bob or Hockey Man. Um, tell him I said hi. And I don't see, I, I genuinely don't see the Jacobs punting the two of them unless the Olympic break rolls around and there's still no playoff spot. Which, I'm thinking, yeah, I'm thinking and later on as we get closer to the deadline uh, or, or like you said, the Olympics. Uh, if I mean, still, the Olympics are probably the Olympic break is too late to do anything this year. Um, and quite frankly, if I were if I were Charlie or and Jeremy, I would make getting Bergeron resigned before the end of the season a requirement for those two to stay in their jobs. And that's not an exaggeration um, because I think that Bergeron still clearly has minimum of three or four more good years in him 
And as long as you have Bergeron and Marchand, you're gonna sell. You're gonna sell tickets. You're gonna sell jerseys. You're gonna sell popcorn, and your name is gonna be mentioned nationally for good reasons. So Bob's saying that Sweeney and Cassidy are on the hot seat. What about what about dear friend Cam? Um, again, I think that Cam Neely is somewhat insulated because he's not the quote unquote active decision maker. I don't know how much involvement he has in day to day operations or even major operations. Okay. That said, it's Cam Neely and dispassionate is not a word that would ever be applied to him. That's very good. Um, I mean, he he looks heated when he has to walk around a person in the hardware store. Um, yes, I mean that. I've seen him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Seen him around the building, and he still doesn't look happy. Uh, he, and by building, I mean TD Garden. He he looks like he could drop the gloves at any minute. <laughs> Sometimes. Yes. But uh, I... On the Cassidy Sweeney thing, yeah, we'll talk about that next week. Sure. Assuming either whether they're still in place or not. Um, and wherever the Bruins are in the standings. Uh, we had a couple of other things to cover this week, and we might actually manage to make it uh, under the buzzer time-wise. Um, do we want to start with the good stuff or the bad stuff or the, oh, wow, this is going to be more drama stuff? <laughs> I'm confused with uh we can close with the we can close with Minnesota. There's a Okay. Let's go. So, let's go to the Northwest. The Northwest. Uh okay, so you mean the waiver Canucks story. changes. No, the Canucks changes are coming. Ah, uh, yes, yes. Um watching the Canucks not live up to their potential and Horvat coming out and saying a couple of days ago that their perform the team's performance this season is unacceptable. Um, that's a pretty strong statement from the guy who is arguably the on ice centerpiece, even though you've got Pedersen, you've got uh, Quinn Hughes, um, you know, JT Miller is a player that pretty much everyone should covet. Um, right wing, left wing, center, as long as he's on the ice, your team is better. Um, but for that sort of statement to be made and for it to be known, not suspected, known that a team is doing uh, that in organization, and I mean ownership, is doing outside analysis for uh, both general manager and head coaching positions, as well as ice level play as well as ice level. That's bad. Uh huh. Just like the Canucks record. And yeah, the Canucks are, they're going to blame, they're going to blame Travis green and it's not him. No. Um, I don't know that Travis I don't know that any coach could make this team significantly better. Are there things that 
based on the way this roster is constructed, I don't know that there's going to be a huge upside. Like, our, I mean, JT Miller has got 19 points in 22 games. That's as much, really, as you can expect. I so want JT Miller on my team. Connor Garland, 15 points in 22 games. Mm-hmm. Bo Horvat, who is a two-way player, and uh, I think he's tied for second on the team in goal scoring. But 11 points, somewhat under what we'd hoped for, but not significantly. Uh, his shooting percentage is 9.8 on the season. And then you've got everyone else. Elias Pedersen, clearly underperforming, with three goals in 22 games. Wow. Brock Besser, not at peak with nine points in 19 games. Tanner Pearson, <clears throat> definitely not at peak at seven points in 22 games. Um, and then you've got Alex Chason not doing much. OEL with only four points in 22 games. Yes, it's a new team. And that makes a big difference uh, in your when you've really only played one place forever and played with mostly the same, a lot of the same guys year over year versus only one player, maybe two on this team that he's played with before. Um, Luke Shen has only made it into eight games. Kyle Burrows, one point and a minus five. Um, Madison, <coughs> two games, minus three and whole bunches of bupkis. Yeah. And, much to my surprise and dismay, neither Halak nor Demko is having a great season. They're not terrible. I mean, Halak's at a 910. Um, yes. Demko's at a 904. Um, they're still, you know. Halak has actually got better stats than Thatcher Demko. He did the same thing when he was here in Boston or came close anyway. But, you know. Everyone's talking about there's going to be changes, there's going to be changes, there's going to be changes, there's going to be changes. Someone has to decide where the changes are going to be and what the changes to be. Somebody has to be in place to make the changes. And if you fired Jim Benning, because that's been the talk or the people, the fans chanting fire Jim Benning. Well, the GM y'all would have wanted is now on his way to Montreal, so. Yep. As far as available names, I mean, unless you can convince John Chaka to come back. And I'm not even sure where he is or what he's doing. I don't actually think he wanted a general manager slot uh, right now. I don't even know where or what he's doing. I haven't heard his name, seen it in news, seen it anywhere. Staying out of the limelight would be what he's doing at the moment. So the AHL affiliate um, of the Canucks is the is Abbotsford. Okay. Um, are do you? I don't know. I have not followed the AHL that closely this year. Can you think of any of their prospects who aren't already on the roster who might be worth recalling? Who could um, actually make a difference? No. I, I can't. Um, 
No. And no, looking honestly. at the looking at the looking at the stats for the team, you've got Sheldon Drees, fourteen points in twelve games. That's great. He's a center. Which center are you pulling to put him in? It's not going to be Bo Horvat. It's not going to be JT Miller. And basically, if you're pulling Elias Pedersen for an AHL prospect, any AHL prospect, you're basically saying we're never playing you again. Everyone else in the team? The it's not going to be Jet Wu. There's just not, there's not, there's a whole lot of math. I mean, you you got, you got Nicholas Petan down there who's got 136 NHL games under his belt and a whopping six goals. Yeah, you've got Travis Amonic back there or who has played one game down there. Um, I'm, no, there's really not much. I mean, is bringing Devontae Stevens up going to sol- uh, suddenly make the defense solvent in their own zone? I don't know. I don't believe so. I would like to, but... Um, I don't see. I just don't. And that also impacts what you can do with trades. Can you, I mean, can you really say, oh yeah, we will, you want, you want Elias Pedersen? Um, yeah, we can, we can fill in with him with Will Lockwood. <laughs> no, 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 uh-uh. No, no, you don't think so, huh? Um, okay, Just- yeah, we're, we're willing to move on from all. Oliver Ekman, Larson. Uh, we're going to uh, figure on. out. You just brought him in. We're going to figure out whether Cameron Schilling or Jet Wu is uh, the heir apparent. To Ekman, Larson. Although, okay. given OEL's performance at this point, the gap between him and Cameron Schilling might not be as big as it probably should be in the moment. I mean, I I fully expect OAL to pull to pull everything together and be somewhat cl- at least close to his normal production by the end of the year. But if that if that art if the article that I was just looking at if the if this article is accurate about mm-hmm. what's going on in Vancouver that nobody understands what's going on they don't seem to there, there seems to be communications breakdowns based on what I've read it, it's it's terrifying it, honestly. Yeah, for one thing, and for another thing, it's going to affect everybody's stats if they're not in proper position. They're not. They're not setting up the way that it's expected that they're going to set up. It's going to affect somebody like OEL stats if he's out of position because in a particular formation he's supposed to be at the top of the umbrella instead of off to the left of the umbrella, you know, it, or whatever. It's these things are all going to affect performance on the ice. So are his numbers reflective of where he's at in his career or are his numbers reflective of what's going on with the team? 
I firmly believe at this point, and I I reserve the right to uh, update my uh, update my views um, that his numbers more reflect the play of the rest of the team. Not that he's played perfectly, but the play of the rest of the team at this point. Um, You're right. JT Miller is 19 points in 22 games is. You can't do much more than that, especially on a team that's off. He's trying to drag this team kicking and screaming somewhere. <laughs> in all seriousness, that's he doing everything he can. I mean, are these yeah. team, this team is not going to be a buyer come the trade deadline. This team is not going to be a buyer come the Olympics. This They're going to be sellers unless they turn this around quickly. Uh, and they should be. I mean, maybe. As soon, and I don't believe they have actually that much cap space. But maybe if you can get a player now, you can buy now and sell later. But at this point, they have 2.4 million in cap space. So what they could buy at this point is not a great deal. I mean, if they ship out a couple of their bottom everything defensemen, and I, by that I mean pretty much everyone after Ekman, Larson, and Hughes, mm-hmm. um, and bring in different non-top pairing defensemen, um, maybe they can get something going and figure it out, figure the rest of it out along the way. Um, I mean, whatever they're figuring out, they better do it quickly. Oh, yeah. I mean, excuse me. Maybe they and the Islanders make themselves a hockey trade and (laughs) uh, both teams come out ahead. It's certainly not going to hurt either team. Uh, You know, they're both in the basement. And the spark of something new in the locker room and someone new who's got something to prove. You know, maybe if you want to go for ultra simplistic, mm-hmm. maybe the trade is straight up Patterson for Barzal. And you get the two, you give both of them a new place to play. Um, you might have to add something else in because Patterson's got an extra year on his contract, although he's also um, three point. Uh, or he's also 350,000 more per year. Uh, there's only a year's age difference. Um, maybe that sparks everyone. Cause if you're, if you're the Vancouver Canucks locker room and Elias Patterson, who you, he's who you've seen at the top of his game is leaving, you know, that in 99% of cases, Whoever's coming back is worse. Number the number but one. Mar- Matthew Barzol. Yeah. Matthew Barzol is on that same on that same tier as a player. Do I think they're going to trade Matthew Barzol? No. No. Do I think they want to trade Elias Pettersson? No. No. Um, but Patterson's only got, I mean, Barzal's only got eight points in 17 games and 
he's a minus eight with it. There's something there's something going on on the island too because the top point getter has only got eleven points. Brock Nelson. Yeah. Yeah. There, those so are two many... teams that just need. I don't know. They need to be taken out from. They need to be taken out of the pool uh, and resuscitated. The plus minus leader on the team is Adam Pellick with a plus four. There are a whopping two other players that are above negative numbers. Excuse me, yeah. three other players. One of them is Kiefer Bellows, who's played in five games, has a plus two. Otto Otto Koivula, who's played in two games, is a zero, is a is even plus minus, and Grant Hutton, who's played in four games, is an even plus minus. Everybody else is a negative. Yeah, um, it's not even a spark at this point. Uh, you need to take a flamethrower. Well, 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 and, and the issue right now. Issue right now is, and that's why Varlamov's only got five starts. Uh, he's nowhere near what he was doing last season. Sorokin's holding this together with bailing wire and and, and duct tape with a two four two and a nine twenty eight save percentage and three shutouts. And even still, with those numbers, he's still five wins, six losses, and two overtime losses in thirteen games. Yeah. They're not putting the puck in the net. Because if you can get that kind of performance out of Sorokin, 242 and a 928 save percentage with three shutouts, he should be he should have a better win loss record than five six oh and two. I don't so disagree. That's, I mean I that's picked just that awful. I'm pretty certain I picked that team to go to the playoffs this year. You did. Um Interesting, interesting article. Oh, the other other story that we wanted to talk about is that on the West Coast, everything they've uh, with everything going on off ice and some of the developments in the news uh, about the world health situation. Oh, the Olympics are in danger. Um, There's talk that didn't even hear this one. Yeah, there's talk that the league won't actually be going to the Olympics. Um, they still have time to, uh, undeclare their participation. Um, and there's, I think there's probably about 45, 48 days, uh, left for them to make the decision. Ah, yes. It says here 46 days until the NHL can withdraw from competition without financial penalty, 70 days until the women's competition begins and 76 before the men drop the puck. It's very possible. The questions get even more pointed. Yeah, I, I effectively, I think the decision is made go or no go um, the day after Christmas. My issue is, it's not an issue, but my, my first question is, okay, you get to that point and you decide, you know what, we're not going. You've already laid out the schedule. Now you're going to have a two or three week gap. Oh, I think games would be realigned. And that's why I think that Christmas is the day. Like, Boxing Day is the day. That's not, that's a, that's a strong hunch. Is I that, mean, the fact we'll that hear the decision been, before the 
before the uh, Winter Classic. The fact that the fact that they've had postponements in Ottawa doesn't ha- doesn't help uh, the argument for going to the Olympics if there's issues with COVID. No swearing. Sorry. Um. So. You mentioned Brock Besser a couple of minutes ago, and since we're still in the Northwest, um, NHL trade rumors have been heating up. Uh, Jimmy Murphy published to uh, Pittsburgh Hockey Now. Um, Three forwards, three defensemen on the block. Um, I'll just run through the three forwards. Brock Besser of the Canucks. Um, I don't know that you could name anyone. Was he on the block last last year, too? He's been on the block for two years, at least. It's he's. I think he's the new perennially being traded uh, NHL player. Um, we'll see how long he manages to stay that way. Ah, uh, yes, rumored to be available at the draft. That's where I remember. Ryan Strome and Phil Kessel are the forwards. Um, I mean, Phil Kessel at least has that cup win uh, in his deal. And I do find it rather amusing that. Boston Hockey Now is quoted in uh, as speculating that Jake DeBrus, Chris Strome would make sense. I'm pretty certain that Jim Murphy I think it's Jim Yes. Um, of the, I mean, long term, Brock Besser is clearly the best. I, yes, I don't understand why they're pushing. Short term, <laughs> Bill Kessel is. Phil Kessel is going to show up in the playoffs. Whatever else happens, Phil Kessel will show up in the playoffs. You can, whether he's the most popular guy in the dressing room or not, and most years it's not, and not because he's, you know, toxic. He's just not very people-y. Um, and the three defensemen, I think, are a little bit more... No. I'm su- I'm somewhat surprised by the three, especially considering who's listed first. Uh, Will Butcher, Ole Mata, and Braden McNabb. I mean, Will Butcher was all anyone talked about for like an eight and a half month span at one point. I'd take the third one. Ole Mata, I think he's probably finally justified his draft position. Because I think he's actually looked solid the last couple of years, and he's been healthier than that time when he was injured every other week. Um, yes, that boy could not stay healthy at all. But it's just awful, 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 and. I don't know. I'd, I'd be willing to take Braden McNabb. I, I, well, I liked him. I liked him with the Kings. I liked him. Uh, like him with um, Vegas. I don't know. I just I, I I'm I'm not a big fan of much of those names. I think if I had to pick one out of the six, it would be Besser. Well, yeah, I mean, Besser is the clear long-term high. Um, he's got the best. Uh, he's got the best ceiling. Yeah. 
as I said, I, I don't hate Ole Mata. Um, he's only 27, 62206. Um, I'm somewhat worried that he didn't score a single goal last year and only had four points in 41 games. And then through 15 this year, he's got zero goals and two assists. Um, but again, LA is <clears throat> lousy and that yeah. may be a compliment. Um, I, for the right price, I'm not sure I would say no to Olimata. I mean, he's making 3.3 this year, left defenseman. Mm-hmm. Okay. UFA at the end of the year. If you can get, if you can get him for very little. Very little. You're not, you're probably not losing, at least in terms of depth uh, going foot. into the playoffs. He's six foot two, two oh six. Okay, twenty-seven years old. Yeah, I don't know that he's ever going to be able to make it uh, to his draft status as twenty-second pick overall. But but put him with a power play that actually you know produces points. Yeah, I mean, let's put him let's put him on the second unit in Boston instead of Matt Grizzlick, who I really like. Mm-hmm. Um, but Matt Grizzlick is not an offensive defenseman. He's a no. great puck handler. He's a great skater. He is way better in his own zone than a lot of people in this area give him credit for. Um, but if you could trade, I mean. Who are you going to give up for him, though? I mean, who do you think Sweeney's would be willing to give up for? I think, well, based on what we saw at the expansion draft, Connor Clifton, I think that he, I think you could probably, well, that depends on whether Sweeney, whether the team is in playoff position and they're going for it or not. If they're in playoff position, he's not giving up anyone off the roster unless they have messed up by the numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, if he, right now, you know, if the, I mean, I don't see them giving up DeBrus going into the playoffs. He looked too good early in the season. I wouldn't say no to Eric Holla going up, going back. I wouldn't say no to, and I like Paula. Uh, I just don't think he's what the team needs at the moment. And I don't think Cassidy thinks it either, because guess what? Nosek has been sliding up to the third line more than once uh, in the past, like five, six games. Okay. I don't think he's going to give up Nosek either. I think Nosek is actually, and I liked him when he was with, Vegas for the same reason. He's he's a penalty kill. He's he's a good penalty killer. He's a two hundred foot player. I, I don't. And if you're talking prospects, I mean, I don't think they're giving up on Sudnika yet. So no. maybe they send Steen and Asselin backwards or, or back to L.A. Uh, both of those guys are only twenty three years old, so it's not like there's a huge huge downside for L.A. Uh, Depending on when the trade happened, assuming it did, there's some cap finagling that needs to be done. Um, And as sad as it is to say, it might make it more difficult to bring back uh, Tuka Rask. Um, (laughs) You know, maybe, maybe they trade John Moore or Chris Wagner. (laughs) Maybe you do, maybe you trade, get John Moore and Chris Wagner out of town so they're not eating up space uh, with buried penalties. 
Um, that's 1.85 million right there between the two of them. And I actually like Chris Wagner. And then there's that other guy. Um, that would clear a lot of space. I just don't see, I don't see any of those guys that I did. John Moore. I, I don't see any of them. Chris Wagner. I don't see any of those guys landing in Boston. I don't see John Moore or Chris Wagner being able to bring in a whole lot either. I mean, Oh no, I think you would have to give up John Moore and Wagner and one of Steen and Aslan, or maybe you send a con or if you've just given up on him being useful here, Vakaninen, um, and Vakaninen has had the worst luck here health-wise. Um, I also think he's, I also think he's not as good at. I don't think he understands hockey as well as people hoped he did. Or maybe you just punt someone off the roster and you bring Lyle Brady up and let him attempt to help the. Second unit. Um, you know, if you have him on that third pairing, you have a natural right uh, right defenseman behind McAvoy and Carlo who can provide offense. Mm-hmm. Um, but interesting trade pieces. Um, and last, <clears throat> a, a day I didn't expect to ever see. Um at least before this season started. Yes. Evander Kane has cleared waivers. <laughs> like bizarre I was wondering stuff. If we were going to talk about this or not. <laughs> bizarre stuff. Um, a guy who was cleared of the domestic violence allegations, cleared mm-hmm. of the gambling mm-hmm. on his games allegations, who did a really dumb thing in uh, apparently uh, forging a vaccination record um, is been placed on waivers and the cannot, uh, I'm sorry, the sharks are willing to keep up to half of his salary to make him yes. go bye-bye. Yes. Half of his salary. Yes. Vander Kane at three and a half million dollars a year for the next three years. Am I, am I luring you in yet? Come on. Look, I, I've always Come been on. I've been a fan of Evander Kane longer than you have. Then why do I have to work so hard to convince you on this one? <laughs> Given the personalities in Boston's front office and behind the bench, not mm-hmm. going to happen. You don't think the personalities in the locker room could uh, possibly I think that the belief is... Him? I think the belief is, whether it's real or not, that without Chara as and admittedly Chara and Kane did not get along famously well, um, that without Chara, there's less ability to suppress um, wilder elements. Um, I think that that's not necessarily true, but we'll go with it. I can see a team like the Tampa Bay lightning making a play for him because yeah, I I actually literally can see them making a play for him because he's got that great offense. He's physical. They lost a lot of physicality uh, in the off season. Um, They've got more than enough cap space. 
even even with Kucherov well, injured again. Yeah, well, Braden Point just went down, so and he's out for. And Braden Point, um, you know, they're carrying eight defensemen. So if they sent two guys, assuming they have, assuming they don't need waivers, if they sent two guys down to uh, the AHL, they'd clear up another at least a million and a half in salary. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's doable. Um, I don't. I don't and, want to see him in. I do not want to see him in the East on somebody else's team. The other, the other team that might take a flyer on him. Yeah, Pittsburgh. No, well, Pittsburgh is one of the teams that talked about, mm-hmm. but a team that clearly doesn't care that much about reputation, as long as you produce. Carolina Hurricanes. Well, yeah, they did sign Tony D'Angelo. You're right. They signed Tony D'Angelo, uh, and oh god, there was one other player who they picked up that uh, I was a little bit curious about. Um, and they're yeah, they're doing more than uh, many people expected from them. Uh, please note, I was not one of those many people, but. Um, I could I could genuinely see him landing there too. Okay. Um, they're they're fighting for uh, top of the metropolitan division, very competitive division. So we talked about it earlier in the show that um, the Bruins have issues with scoring. Oh look, I like Evander Kane. I would not hate to see him here. Um, I think that. Given the number of personalities and who would be ahead of him in the after the first week in the media request line, he's got a, a lot of the stuff is going to evaporate. Uh, mm-hmm. I would not have a problem with him in a Bruins uniform. Not exactly a overwhelming endorsement, but okay. I just I literally cannot conceive of it with Sweeney and uh, Cassidy and Neely at, at the help. Okay. I understand the Sweeney thing because he doesn't. I mean, I, it, it, in my opinion, he doesn't take those kind of risks. He doesn't. You know, did he did he really kick the tires on Jack Eichel or or? I don't. I don't even know that he bothered. I, now, granted, ten million dollars. You're not going to get the kid. I get all that, but at least show some interest. The kid wanted to come here. He yeah, made that clear. Uh, he came beyond and said that, that he wanted, but you know, I, I just that. don't see him doing it. And you're right. Unfortunately, with him in charge, I don't see it happening. And but I really would love to see him take charge and, and do something about, you know, getting some goal scoring. If you want a Western team that might be in favor of bringing him in because they don't necessarily care all that much about reputation. Seattle. Dallas. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dallas is a good. They, They've only yeah. scored 53 goals in 19 games. I can um, see that. 
almost everyone, everyone else ahead of them uh, has, I mean, even Nashville has scored more goals. Yes, they've played more games, but. And, and they have, they have a a couple of former, or at least one former, uh, I don't know how he gets along with them, but they have one former San Jose Shark there in Joe Pavelski. Joe Pa. And I don't know how he and Joe Pa got along, but. Uh, any former uh, Winnipeg Jets on that team or, <laughs> or Buffalo Sabres or, or Buffalo Sabres? Yeah. <laughs> Atlanta Thrashers, because I think Kane has been around that long. Yeah, he started with the Thrashers. It would be I, 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 don't know. I, I just think that I don't see Bill in, Guerin bringing him in in Minnesota either. Minnesota. No, I don't see it. I think Bill Guerin is still too new as a GM to want to take that sort of risk. And yeah. Although, I mean, he he has made some moves up there and, and he oh, has made improved moves, that team. But they've made they've on paper made locker room and or hockey sense or financial sense. This is a risk. It's flat out a risk. If you believe the bad stuff about him or just don't like the amount of drama that seems to follow him, because, I mean, you have, you have to remember all of the horse mucky uh, in the media about him when he was in Winnipeg, you know, all of the restaurants that claimed that he walked out without paying his tab or stuff like that. If you believe the bad stuff. Yeah. You have to think about. You have to think really carefully about it. But I, I, if you're talking about a Western team, I, I say Dallas because even if it's just a straight up Evander Kane for, at half salary for a bag of pucks and a pros, and a seventh round draft pick uh, in 2071, right now the. Uh, the Dallas Stars have the cap space to absorb that, and they definitely need the goal scoring. And looking at their prospect pool, I don't see it coming out of there. Rupe Hintz, who started Rupe Hintz, who started the season with like no goals in his first, I don't know, six or seven yeah. or whatever it was, however many games it was, he had no goals, and he has vaulted himself to the top of the goal scoring list with seven. Yeah. On that team. Pavelski second with six goals and then Robertson with third. And last topic. A Minnesota moment of celebration uh, on the horizon. One of the guys who I liked as a player his entire career um, even when it got a little bit sad at the end, Miku Koivu is going to have his number retired uh, by the Minnesota Wild. And do they have a date? Is there? I mean, is there any uh, details? I am looking for that, and guess what? The and this will actually be the first Jersey retirement. Or that franchise? 
I mean, it, it, it's hard to say because techni- yeah, technically they they moved in when the North Stars went south to Dallas and, and a couple years after. Yeah. You know, well, yeah, there was actual time. It's kind of like you know everybody tries to link Carolina to Hartford and. Um, that one makes more sense because well. Well, it wasn't right. It, it can. Carolina, they moved. Hartford never put another team in, so there's still no Hartford Whalers. Um, it's just it, so yeah. As far as Minnesota Wild franchise is concerned, they are going to lift his number to the rafters um, on March 13th against the Nashville Predators. Interesting. Um. So, yeah, uh, March 13th, uh, if you, for some reason, aren't watching Minnesota Wild games when they're available, shame on you. Uh, pick it up. Uh, put the channel, put the TV on for a few minutes. Enjoy the show. Uh, as a franchise icon is recognized. Better than a point per game player. And then uh, then watch the next Watch to see who's going to be the next to go into the Raptors. In 15 years, he put up 1,209 points in 1,028 games. Worthy. And yeah. he was arguably the second best two-way forward that entire uh, for eight and nine of those 15 years. Did he ever get a Selkie? I don't believe he did, which is a crime. Kind of like Weber not getting a Norris Trophy, but that's an argument for another day. Or is Zanino Chara only having one? That's another argument. Yes, it is. Good points. Good points all. that, dear listeners, is where we leave you. Um, Thank you very much for listening. Uh, Hopefully on Sunday we'll be recording at our normal time instead of tonight uh, where we're recording on Monday. Uh, There's something you want to talk about. Uh, leave a mess. Uh, leave a comment over at podbean.com. Tweet at one of us, uh, and uh, we may just bring it up on the show. Probably will. Probably. <laughs> and that. Uh, on that note, take care, folks. Uh, hope you had a great Thanksgiving and one month left to the year, and you can add another uh, circum uh, another circle of the sun. Uh, to your resume. Take care.